disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. All right, it's the Disruption Zone. Back again with my good friend Ryan Quarles. He's one of several friends that I have that are running for governor of Kentucky. I got to be honest with you. Kentucky's got a strong crop of candidates for governor next time to boot old Governor Andy Dad jeans out of office. And I like Ryan because he is a multi-generational farmer here in Kentucky. He's got roots about as deep as they can go in the bluegrass state. And he understands and has been working as ag commissioner the plight of the Kentucky farmer, cattle farmer, uh, corn farmer, tobacco farmer, whatever it is. And I think he has a lot of insight into what Kentucky can do to make itself stronger in the next few years. So I'm looking forward to talking to him again in just a minute. But first, I want to be, uh, send out a big thank you to our sponsors. Louisville Cabinets and Countertops has been with us from the very beginning. I don't just talk about them because they sponsor the program. I talk about them because the owner, Tim Montgomery, and I are friends because they did our kitchen, and I was blown away by his work ethic, the work ethic of his employees, and the design and and stock and power and everything that they have to give you your dream kitchen. If you don't believe me, go check out their website at LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. You can see examples of their work, and if you're thinking, I want to stick around in my home, but I just want my dream kitchen, they got it. Start to finish, turnkey, it's all good. Uh, or maybe you're flipping. That's that's the thing too, right? Well, they've got in-stock cabinets ready to go, as well as countertops. Depending on what style you want, they've got everything. So check them out. It's Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. They're right on the, the border of Oldham County in Louisville. Um, and if you're in southern Indiana, Louisville, or, or, or uh, Oldham County, this is your place. 502-930-3304. 502-930-3304. Uh, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. We're also brought to you by Bourbon City Golf Carts. How about that? Bourbon City Golf Carts. This is fantastic. A lot of people, I noticed this in my neighborhood, a lot of people are buying golf carts to just bump around the neighborhood in, right? Especially if you live in kind of a rural area and the houses are spaced apart. Or maybe you want to load it up and have your own custom golf cart at the golf course. Whatever. This is a fun thing to have. It's a great idea. For maybe, I know Christmas has passed us, but maybe a New Year's gift or something like that, or just to treat yourself, go to their website. Uh, their website is bourboncitygolfcarts.com. It's not hard to forget, is it? Bourboncitygolfcarts.com. It's not 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 uh, easy to, what am I trying to say? It's hard to forget that. It's easy to find. Call them now at 502-718-0757, 502-718-0757, or again, go to Bourbon City Golf Carts. You can see their inventory. They got them right there. You can call them right now. You can buy right now. I mean, it's all up there on the website. Super easy to navigate. They're in Charlestown, Indiana, just across the river. And again, 502-718-0757, Bourbon City Golf Carts. All right, let's get to my guest, one of my favorites, Ryan Quarles. Sir, I don't know why I love you so much. You're just so daggum lovable, but I love having you on the program, and I'm glad to have you back. How are you, sir? Did you have a good Christmas? I'm doing well. Christmas was great. Saw my family. Uh, bought a new handgun, a new pair of boots, so I'm pretty happy. Oh, you got to uh, tell me. You got to tell me. First of all, what kind of boots you buy? I bought some ostrich boots. They fit great. Um, I wore out my last pairs uh, around Kentucky, so a new pair of boots to go campaigning. What's your what's your what's your brand of choice on the on the boots? I'm an Ariat guy myself. I've got two pairs of Ariats, 
and a lot of their clothing. I love their stuff. Well, I'm kind of a mutt, you know. I like a little bit of anything to get the job done. I grew <laughs> up on Justin's. Justin, oh, I boots, love Justin's work work boots, uh, Wolverine. But but I I kind of uh, upscaled a little bit and got some Dan posts. Oh, Dan nice. Posts, so they're they're pretty nice. <laughs> well, hopefully for Christmas, hopefully you got some socks to wear inside those boots. <laughs> <laughs> well, as luck would have it, I think I spent maybe five hundred dollars on gifts for my family and friends, and I got four pairs of socks back in return. So, you know, pretty good, <laughs> pretty good exchange rate these days, but, but I got uh, to tell you a story. So, um, my memo, you know, my, my grandparents, tobacco farmers in uh, Shelby yeah. County and, um, my memo would, would have every year. There were about four of us grandkids that were about the same age, boys that were about the same age. And, uh, we, we would always get socks and brute brute cologne, and socks every single year. And one year towards the end of my memo's life, it was so funny. One of my, my, you know, my other cousins that are my age, were all grown. Now we were all out of the house, so to speak, but we all came back for Christmas one year. And, uh, one of my cousins says, Hey guys, come out here. So he pulls us all outside to his car and he pops the trunk <laughs> and he had kept every pair of socks and bottle of brute for the last 10 years. And his <laughs> trunk was full of it. It was so awesome. Such a great memory of my awesome memo because we went for the food, not the gifts. You know what I'm saying? Hey, that's what counts. But you know, honestly, Leland, I thought you'd be more of a high karate type. Of guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's the good stuff. I love it. I love it. My you know, uh, you know, every Christmas without fail, no matter what gifts we have. And of course, you know, I grew up, up uh, working in the back on Christmas Day. That was kind of a daily thing. We got a uh, Christmas morning off, and then we were in the stripper room in the afternoon. But but no matter what presents we got, my dad always reminded me that back in his day, mm-hmm. they got a six pack of Coca Cola and some oranges. And that's, and that's <laughs> that was it. And they were so happy. Yeah, yeah I bet they were because I got the, <laughs> I got the same story from my mom too. I got one pair of shoes a year, and one time I stepped in a frozen pile of cow manure and lost one of the shoes and had to wear my old small ones for another year. That was my. <laughs> Those are Kentucky stories right there, buddy. <laughs> I love it. Yep, I so, love it. Now, love what, it. what kind of handguns you buy? I bought a little compact SIG nine millimeter. Just is it a P three sixty five XL? It is not. I don't think I don't have it in front of me. I literally just got it. But you're gonna love it. But yeah, uh, uh, if it, it, it's. Yeah, I, I, that's my everyday carry is a P, uh, a P365 XL. It's the one with the 12 round magazine. And then you can actually, uh, you can buy a 15 round mag for it as well. But, uh, I got the red dot sight. Did you get the red dot sight on it or, or is it just straight? No, mine's pretty, mine's pretty basic, but it does have a, a 17 round magazine on it. Then, then I bought my dad. Oh, okay. Well. I think, I think that's the P, uh, just the P365. The XL, XL is a little bit more. Uh, compact, but that, Pack, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's a nice gun. Is that going to be your everyday carry? You think? Uh, it will be. It will be because I've got plenty of shotguns and hunting rifles around the house. But uh, this is my first handgun. I love it. I actually bought my dad a gun too because you know why buy one gun when you can buy two? Yeah, price to price. Yeah, for and, real. Because uh, uh, he's, uh, we've always had some issues at the farm. People steal stuff sometimes, and mm-hmm. so I just wanted to. You know, I grew up in a gun gun household. It was about hunting, but it was also about personal protection. And right. so for me, though that the Second Amendment is in the Constitution for a reason. Right. It's there for a reason and we should protect that. But but heck, whether it's deer hunting or personal 
protection, you know, we'll always be a defender of that. But yeah, I, you know, I just had to you know, go uh, test the guns out before I gave them to my dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I got you. Well, you're going to love that SIG. That's, that's a favorite of mine for Carrie. I actually bought my wife for Christmas this year. I bought her a Smith and Wesson shield. It's a 380 EZ. So it has that super easy uh, slide rack uh, because yeah. she's, you know, I mean, you've met Tabitha. She's rather on the small side. So it's got that super easy slide rack. And I got her a 511 tactical backpack that looks like a normal backpack where she can carry yeah. concealed. It has a secret pocket and she can carry concealed in that secret pocket. And um, oh, so, that's cool. but we went, we went and shot that yesterday. I think it was and had a blast. And she, it was so funny because she's, lethal like she's like more tactical than i am and all the guys at the range were watching um <laughs> because there, there was a dude in the in the lane next to her his brass was hitting her in the face while she was shooting and she was blowing the center out of the bullseye not even flinching at hot brass hitting her in the face from the lane over and the guys were like what in the world i was like ask my girl <laughs> dream even, woman that's yep. right that's awesome yeah so that's awesome. well cool man well it's good to have you back on i know you're running for governor and i want to talk about that sort of as a side note to this conversation, because really what I want is for people to get to know you. And we're, we're having uh, all of the candidates on uh, the Republican side. And of course, if Bashir wants to come on, <laughs> he's got a wide open, I, I, he's got an open invitation if he wants to do it, but, but um, have fun. <laughs> yeah. But I, I want people to get a chance to get to know you guys, yeah. because we have yeah. such a good group of people that are running and every one of you would be fantastic at that job. What makes me somewhat partial to you is that farming experience, that rural Kentucky flair that you have, that you know about, that you understand, and that I think means a lot to people, say, east of I-75 and west of I-65. You know what sure. I'm saying? Sure. So if you don't mind, let me just say two things. Um, I'm ninth generation Kentuckian. My family came here after serving in the Revolutionary War. That's how we got our land. So. We were here when we were part of old Virginia and in my childhood, as you kind of alluded to, was spent working on the farm. And so for me, uh, I learned those values of hard work at a young age. I started working at age six for one dollar an hour in the back of patch of hell. I was lucky because I got paid. A lot of people didn't get paid. <laughs> right. And their kids. Um, but at the same time, you know, I learned that when you shake somebody's hand, it means something. And if you promise somebody something, by God, you better deliver on it. And so as me as a candidate, I'm the, I'm the guy that can unite both rural and urban Kentucky. For yes. the past eight years, I have had the dream job of being commissioner of agriculture, meaning I've got to work with our farm families. We've been the de facto voice for rural Kentucky, but we've also brought our message about local food, buy local into our cities. We've run the state fair, which, which I am the undefeated uh, I don't even bring it up. Don't even bring it up. I know you uh, beat two, me every single two and time. Oh against you, Leland. No big deal. But <laughs> the long story short. I swear short, to God, I'm coming home this summer because I got to do this and I got to get you back. I swear to God. This, how about this one's for all the marbles? Okay. State Fair 2023. Winner, winner take all. All the marbles. <laughs> and, uh, and, and as the nominee for the party, we might get a little more media attention. There you go. So, uh, that's right. But But let me just close it out with this. Uh, we are running a people's first grassroots campaign. There are 13 candidates in the Republican Party as of today. And for me, it's all about activating the grassroots, which means I have visited every single county multiple times. We're going to visit all corners of the Commonwealth. In Leland, 
I'm going to visit every county twice and every dog general store once in this campaign for governor. So, you know, I have a lot of stops ahead of me. Well, you got those ostrich boots or whatever it is. The only place you can afford to shop is a dollar store. So that you're going to have to. <laughs> yeah. I'm on a, I'm on a payment plan. You know, it's okay. New, new boot goofing. But, um, but, you know, for me, this is all about grassroots Kentucky. Yeah. And, and I think that I have a lot of friends in this primary. They're going to be my friends after the primary no matter the outcome and i'm focusing on nobody's race but my own yeah and so i'm going to follow reagan's 11th commandment especially with so many people in this primary and i'm just going to focus on my vision and i think that we have an advantage in this race we have a, a natural base with the farm community uh rural kentucky is is gravitating towards us because i've been a, a consistent active voice i've shown up and even in the urban areas, we have brought agriculture into the classroom. We have expanded the Kentucky Crowd Program. And we try to remind people, especially during COVID, during those ridiculous shutdowns, mm -hmm. we took a moment to educate people about where their food comes from. And so I feel like if you added in my, my ag background, my experience as a legislator, eight years as ag commissioner, uh, running the second largest uh, department uh, uh, in state government, just behind the governor's office, that we have the experience and the record to serve as governor. This is this question is going to be a little bit unfair because you have the advantage of hindsight. But you brought up the pandemic, and we now know so much of what was considered to be misinformation is now turned out to be true. Yeah. Um. But with the with the benefit of hindsight, understanding that right. Um, what would you have done and maybe try to think as, as intellectually honestly with yourself as you could maybe pretend you don't have the benefit of hindsight. What would right. you have done if you were governor and this happened? Well, first off, we would have consulted people from around Kentucky. Uh, Andy Bashir was a committee of one and he, uh, he basked in the glory of daily four o'clock yeah. press conferences and instead of reaching out to the industries, which he shut down and caused economic harm to, we would have reached out and said, hey, here's the information we know. What can we do to move forward? And I'll give you a great example of this. When Walmart and the large box stores, not to pick on any store, but when the large box stores stayed open, but yet the mom and pop stores on Main Street, Kentucky were shut down, mm -hmm. that was wrong. That was wrong. And we could have found some common ground to keep them open because for me, we work a lot with our restaurants and they were shut down not once, but twice. Yeah. yeah. And, and the data showed that in New York, uh, the New York data, and besides Kentucky refused to release their data, refused to do that. But it showed that, that the restaurants were not the likely source of transmission. So there was no need to shut down our restaurants. And for a lot of folks, they lost their life savings. Yeah. They lost their life thing. Yeah. And no and no government payment is gonna fix that. Yeah. Or bring your business back to life. And so that's that's step number one. Um, number two, I think that we would have had some clarity uh about the ineffectiveness of some of the shutdowns early on. Yeah. And then we could have reevaluated. But I think it was absolutely wrong. I also think that the governor trampled on our constitutional rights when he sent uh troopers to uh, churches yeah. on Easter Sunday. And that was, ex that was so wrong. Yeah. 
And, and so, a lot of those churches uh, were having outdoor services with a PA system, and he still sent the police there. And I, my understanding is a lot of state troopers didn't even want to do it. They were like, oh, God. They didn't. They yeah. didn't. Yeah. And, and, we're getting, and we're getting support from law enforcement uh, because we're going to be a campaign that backs the blue, yeah. that's going to advocate for funding the police and not defunding the police. And there's a lot of people uh, in the Kentucky law enforcement community that are, that are ready for a new governor because yeah. when they needed him the most, he was not there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel that. And one of the things that I guess that kind of leads me to my next question is, you know, obviously I've been living in Colorado, but I'm a lifelong Kentuckian and was born there. It's my home. And I have seen I spent the majority of my broadcast career there and I have seen if my own eyes Kentucky miss out on opportunity after opportunity economically because we've had a governor or whatever that really just figured we could just do things the way we've always done them and everything will be fine. And look at look at what happened. What's happening in Tennessee right now. Nashville is one of the hottest growing cities in America. And there's people that are trying to bail. And not that I necessarily want Californians to ruin Kentucky, but if you're from California and you value freedom and you want to come make a difference, hey, you know, Kentucky's front porch of the South, come, we're welcome to you. But that's that's what Nashville's getting right now. They're getting those folks that are bailing on that that awful government in those West Coast states saying, I want to try something new, and they're blowing up right now because they don't have an income yep. tax. They've got more freedom and less government intervention in your life, and they're benefiting from it. And there's no huge – I always tease my friends from Tennessee, and I'm like, well, I guess I'll like you. But, I mean, in reality, the cultures <laughs> – right? I mean, it's almost like two brothers hating each other. That's why we hate each other because we're so much daggum alike. I mean, there's not anything well, that they offer substantially better than Kentucky other than the government climate. What would you do about that? Well, we need to look at a tax code that attracts businesses, that attracts entrepreneurs so that we bring the startup culture to Kentucky instead of running them off. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1950, Louisville and Nashville were the same size. And, and now it's just no comparison. And so one thing that we need to do is eliminate the personal income tax. And you know what's funny is that our income tax in Kentucky is lowering. Yep. It's lowering by a half percentage point. But – Governor Bashir recently said out in rural Kentucky that he took credit for the income tax reduction <laughs> when in fact when in fact he vetoed the bill and it was the last time I checked while watching Schoolhouse Rock, it's the legislature that proposes and enacts a tax structure, right. not the executive branch. And I'll tell you another story. One of my good friends out in Nashville is from Kentucky. He started an internet business in his dorm room when he was at Murray State University. He sold it for a substantial amount when he was like 21 years old. And that's when he learned about the, the income uh, and the uh, the tax structure of Kentucky. So when he decided to start a second business, he moved to Tennessee. Hmm. And Tennessee's blessed with, with Governor Bill Lee, a business leader, agriculture guy, vocational trade guy himself. And so I think we just need to get back to our roots, look towards the tax structures that help states grow, and I'll give you one last example here. Uh, Kentucky is home to a lot of military veterans. Uh, we have a higher percentage than other states, but our our retirement uh, tax code is not that friendly. So a lot of people who served us in the military are getting better tax breaks when they move out of state after they retire. And that's simply wrong. Yeah, that's simply wrong. Wow. That's we should insane. fix that. 
Well, I'm, it's music to my ears. You know this. I've all the way back to Steve Bashir, who was courteous enough and kind enough to meet chicken me. Chicken Biscuit. Yeah, Chicken Biscuit. He met me in his office with a proposal that had been drafted by the time at the time by a former legislator, um, Bill Farmer. And yep. that was designed to do exactly what you are suggesting. And I pestered, I pestered, um, you know, I've pestered every governor of the state of Kentucky about this for years. Even now that I don't even live in the state, I'm still pestering people about it. And it's like, to me, it's, it's such a no brainer. I mean, even in the state of Colorado, our leftist governor supports eliminating yeah. the income tax in the state of Colorado because he recognizes what that will do to get businesses to locate here. And in his, in his mind, he's like, well, I'll just fee them to death and I'll make the money that way, but I'll get them in here with the fly trap of no, no taxes on, on the income. And it's, it's brilliant. You know, I mean, it's, it's just a smart thing to do. It is. And our state has so many things going for it. And, and why should the, why should our tax structure be the, the reason why a company doesn't come here? Look, yeah. we're blessed with natural resources. We have relatively cheap electricity. Yeah. Uh, we are a distribution capital of the North American continent. Two thirds of all the people in the United States live within one day's drive of Kentucky. We have a, a workforce that's willing to work. And so for us, we should take a hard look at what is rejecting business leaders from expanding or locating in Kentucky. Yeah. And then there's another there's another issue, Leland. Um, we got to make sure that we get Kentuckians back to work. Mm-hmm. We have a workforce participation crisis in our state and even our chamber of commerce will recognize that 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 one of the things about economic health is not just the number of jobs but what percentage of the population is working yeah and so i think we need to get back to the basics focus on vocational trades like welding and hvac plumbing electricity um, in our high schools and our community technical colleges because that's what employers need right now I think that we need to better connect our education system with the employment needs of Kentucky. And that's going to go a long way. And look, I was blessed to grow up on a farm. I was blessed to have a, a mother that was a school teacher. And, and I had the opportunity to go on to a law degree and a, and a doctorate as well. But I know that that's not the case for everybody. Yeah. And so if we can encourage that 17, 18 year old student and say, Hey, look, if you want to weld, you can make a hundred thousand dollars a year right. as your starting salary right. if you apply yourself. And we got to remind folks about that. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I fully agree. In fact, it, there's a in February the Supreme Court is going to be taking the issue of uh, paying back college debt uh, before before the court. And you know, I've I've long been against that, but I understand why people will have the angst, and it's because of the overinflated prices of college and the fact that we're no longer focusing on exactly what you said, what's right for the individual student in terms of their aptitude, what's right for the labor force, what do we need, right? And then what, you know, and all of that solves some of that college price problem because if you have kids that aren't being told you must go to college to be successful, you have to get an education to be successful, but it doesn't have to be a college education. It can be that trade school. It can be that apprenticeship. Um, And and I'm glad that you're willing to focus on that because I think it's important. Well, that you know, nothing against our traditional higher education institutions, and and I was blessed to, to go to University of Kentucky, had a great time. But you're exactly right. And one of the pieces of legislation that, if I was governor, I would I would promote and sign into law is allow our key scholarship to be used towards vocational trade. And and right now, you 
that's the scholarship that students get uh, funded by the Kentucky Lottery. Right. And right now, why not expand that to our diesel mechanics or our welding schools or yeah. HVAC schools as well? Is that they've earned it. And so that's like one of the, the small policy changes that we can make that simply uh, uh, got vetoed by the governor recently. So yeah. we need a governor that doesn't uh, spend their time suing the legislature. We need a governor that spends their time working with the legislature. Yeah, yeah. What's fully, best for Kentucky. Fully agree. Um, real quick, I know I got to let you go here in about three minutes because you've got visitors. But one last thing, you mentioned cheap energy in Kentucky. Uh, there were rolling blackouts on Christmas Eve. Um, not yep. a good, not a good um, a process of informing people what was actually happening. Uh, a lot of that is because we have killed off some of that fossil fuel energy that Kentucky was so rich in. What will you do as governor in that area? Well, number one, we will uh, develop a task force that unleashes our natural resources in Kentucky, and we need an all of the above approach. But the way I see it is that uh, the United States of America, we're pretty pro-environment to begin with. The farmers of Kentucky are pro-environment. That doesn't mean that we need to restrict our access to energy, that you can have energy and still uh, balance the needs of the rest of society. And so yeah. that's number one. Number two is that the EPA, the EPA, uh, I, I, every chance that we can, to take the jurisdiction away from the federal EPA and put it in the hands of the Kentucky agency, we need to do that. Yeah. And there's a lot of big Supreme Court decisions that occurred this year. Of course, the Dobbs decision was probably the biggest. But one of the uh, decisions that was often overlooked this past year was the West Virginia uh, decision that basically called the EPA out and said, hey, EPA, you cannot uh, create regulations that are outside the scope of congressional legislation that you can't go beyond the limits of Congress. Right. And so basically the EPA got their hands slapped. Yeah. And this is, this is it's big for Kentucky agriculture. It's big for our energy. And so for us is that we need to make sure that if we want to have economic freedom, we also need energy independence yep. that, that we need to elect people in office that promote American energy independence. So we're not dependent upon foreign countries, not just for our fuel, but also for economic economic uh, future, because believe me, when we fill up our our tanks with diesel on the farm yep. at five dollars plus a gallon, <laughs> that is un unsustainable. Yeah, unsustainable. And you're feeling it right now at the grocery store, and the Joe Biden inflation is out of control right now. And that anybody, <laughs> including Andy Bashir, that says the economy's on fire right now, yeah. Well, guess what? It is because uh, when you cannot buy the same amount of groceries or you have to choose between fuel and other things, yep. it doesn't matter how many job announcements you have if the economy is eroding because of high inflation. Yep. No, no doubt. Well, good stuff. Listen, good to talk to you, my friend. Happy uh, Christmas, Merry New Year, all that good stuff. We'll talk again soon, I am sure. But thanks for taking the time to join us here on the Disruption Zone. Thank you so much, and, and you better be practicing for that Cooper Scooper <laughs> I'm coming home. I'm just It's winner take all this time, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year. All right, you See too, ya. my friend. All right, that's Ryan Quarles running for governor of Kentucky. Big thanks to Bourbon City Golf Carts for sponsoring the program. Give them a call today, 502-718-0757, or go to their website, bourboncitygolfcarts.com. You'd be surprised how economical it could be to have your very own golf cart to run around the golf course on or run around the neighborhood. Custom, gas, or lithium battery, they got it all at Bourbon City Golf Carts. 
Check them out again, 502-718-0757 or bourboncitygolfcarts.com. Also, a big thanks to Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, 6200 Hit Lane in Louisville, right on the border of Odom County in Louisville. If you're in Odom County, Louisville, Southern Indiana, this is your place. Check out louisvillecabinetsandcountertops.com or give them a call at 502-930-3304. They did our kitchen when we lived in Odom County, and I'm confident it's the reason my house sold in less than a day. People walk in and saw that beautiful kitchen and all that great handiwork and craftsmanship, and they were like, wow, that's amazing. That's what you want for your house? Give them a call today, louisvillecabinetsandcountertops.com or 502-930-3304. Thanks for listening to the Disruption Zone. Download us on the iHeartRadio app. We'll send you free new episodes every time one loads up, two or three a week, hopefully in the next coming months. Uh, But you'll get a new notification every single time. You can also go to Apple Podcasts or Google Play, wherever podcasts are found. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Leland Show. And on Instagram, it's at Great Lelando. Thanks for listening. Oh, by the way, thanks to DX Audio Productions in Lexington, Kentucky, for their help with the audio of this program. We couldn't do it without them. And we sure as heck couldn't do it without you. Thanks for listening to the Disruption Zone. (laughs) 